Hello, my name is Lane Yahiro. Before we pray, I'd like to thank the sponsors, the walkers and runners who participated in our annual Run for Justice 5K and 10K last week. We do miss you and your families. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Lord, we thank you that you are the one and only true God. Lord, we thank you that you are in control. And Lord, we just lift up Drew as he comes to give our message today. And Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will open our hearts and minds and mouths like never before, that we would hear what you want us to learn today um, and just transform us and help us to live our lives to bring you honor and glory. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Here we are again, gathering in our homes around a computer, TV, tablet, or maybe even a phone, doing church. I hope and pray that you and your household have figured out some sort of rhythm in our new reality. This type of environment is starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, last week, though, I felt like my kids were a little bit too comfortable. I thought it came a little bit too Norman. We were talking with uh, Hudson and he, I, we were asking him what's been his favorite part of having to stay home with this COVID-19. And he said, I like doing church and not having to get dressed up. <laughs> so he's, he's really um, enjoying the fact that we're able to stay home and not have to put on khakis when we, when we come to church. But I do hope that here soon we're able to gather back together and see one another and, and to do that. And, and in due time, That'll happen, but um, this is our reality. And so we're going to continue forward and continue to trust that God's going to move in that. Today we're going to continue in Philippians. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Philippians 2, 19 through 30 is where we're going to be today. And as you're getting there, let me set it up here a little bit. You know, one of the beautiful aspects of teaching and preaching through an entire book of the Bible, going verse by verse. The, the academic version of that is called exegetically, um, which is what we've been doing here with Philippians, just going verse by verse, is that you can't skip over things. You have to tackle every verse as it comes. And what we've had up to this point, Paul has given the church in Philippi and us a lot of practical wisdom, godly wisdom, advice, and counsel, teachings that were able to be implemented and acted upon right away. But today is a little different. This is one of these passages that, passages that normally maybe we just would have skipped over because there isn't that clear teaching way to implement things. Today we're going to see Paul tell the church in Philippi that he's going to be sending them two men. He's going to send Timothy to them shortly, but immediately he's going to send them Epaphroditus, which is, if you're there with your kids, fun word to say, Epaphroditus. And he's going to be sending, Paul's going to send him back to the church immediately. And the only thing we really have here are instructions that he gives them, gives them on how to welcome them back to the church. So how do we find that useful today? How, how, how does that become helpful for us? Because he's not sending them to us. They're not showing up here at Calvary. But we can use this section of scripture, how it can be helpful is we can use it as a character study because Paul does a beautiful job of letting the church in Philippi and us know the character of these two men. 
And so that's what I'd like to study today. I'd like to take a look at their character and how we, as followers of Jesus, can start to emulate that same character. So let's read the passage. We'll start in verse 19 of chapter 2. And we read this. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by the news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who genuinely cares for your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a father with his son. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. Let's go ahead and stop right there and pause and take a look at Timothy. Now, this is the same Timothy that Paul wrote to, wrote him a letter. We have those recorded later in the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Timothy. And we know from those letters that these two men were extremely close. And if we go back to the account that we have of Paul visiting the church in Philippi in Acts 16, what we see here is that right before then, Timothy joined Paul on his missionary team. He was a young man at that point when he joined, and he joined as an apprentice right as Paul was getting ready to start and plant this church in Philippi. So they might have known who Timothy was when he was young, but now Paul is setting the table for Timothy to return to him as someone who has grown and matured in his faith. Because we don't hear about anything that Timothy does in that church because more than likely, as scholars think, he was probably just getting his feet wet a little bit, learning the rhythms and how things are going. But Paul goes out of his way to give the church in Philippi and us today a picture of the character of who Timothy was. And these are characteristics that would be good for us to emulate in our own lives. First, we see that Timothy is someone who genuinely takes, takes interests in the lives of others and not his own. And this is a timeless reality. Most people are more concerned about themselves than they are about others. But we see Jesus, Paul, and Timothy demonstrate something different for us. They're actually more concerned about others. And this is something that I believe we've seen more and more in these last several weeks in our world around us. But I believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus, in the coming months, there's going to be more and more of an opportunity for us to demonstrate a different type of life as we care for others and take others' interests above our own. When we start to do that, when we recover from this pandemic, it allows us, as Daniel talked about last week, to shine like stars, to be a light in a dark world, and not to fizzle out, but to stay strong. It's interesting that after talking about this, Paul then goes into these two men who demonstrate a very similar type life, that they genuinely took an interest in others, and because of that, that made specifically here Timothy look different and for us today. And we, if we're able to see the world and act and think like Jesus did, like Paul did, and as we see Timothy here, then we can have a pr profound impact on the world around us for the kingdom of God as we recover from this. Next, we see Paul tell us that we can, and tell the church in Philippi that we can trust his character. We can trust who he is because he has worked like a father does, like a son does with his father. I'm sorry. 
Later on in Paul's letter to Timothy, the first one, he calls him a true son in the faith. Again, this demonstrates the tight relationship that Paul and Timothy had. And in this day and time that Paul's writing this, the fact that he says that they can trust his character because it's like a son working with his father, that was a big deal because that was the primary means of education for most everybody. If you were going to uh, learn how to hunt, fish, be a carpenter, take over the family business, you were going to learn so by working side by side with your dad. And so Paul is telling the church that they can trust Timothy because he has worked side by side and is ready to take over the family business as Paul's sitting in prison. And so for us today, this is a true sign of what discipleship looks like. This is our hope here at Calvary, is that we would grow in our faith and understanding of who Jesus is, how to be apprentices of Jesus by walking in the way of Jesus with life-on-life discipleship, as we see here. That we all know that we can trust the next generation of leaders, of ministers, of followers of Jesus because they have walked side-by-side with someone who has walked with Jesus. It causes me to pause here and ask myself, and I ask you the same, who are you walking beside? I thought about this from a a, a church perspective. As we send out the next generation, as people are getting ready to go off to college, maybe those people who are graduating from college are getting ready to go off, when they go into the areas where they're going to serve, if the people that they're going to be working with, whether it's a professor or someone that they're apprenticing with to learn a trade, if they would contact us and talk about so-and-so, we could say, oh, they, they knew that they're from Calvary, and because they're from Calvary, they know that they can be trusted in this way. And that they know that we've trained them up and they've walked alongside godly men and godly women who have trained them to be prepared and ready for where they're at. But to do that, we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear who God has placed in front of us. So who's walking beside us? We've talked a lot in the past about discipleship and how it's beneficial to have someone um, that's a season of life ahead of you that you can ask wise counsel of, a Paul, and how it's also beneficial to have someone a season of life behind you, a Timothy. And if we're able to do this through this life-on-life discipleship, as we see with Paul and Timothy, then we're able to learn and grow And this is one of the slow, good works of the kingdom of God. This is a type of relationship that cultivates a depth that will stand and last the test of time no matter what comes up. And that's difficult for us today because we live in a world that wants everything to be microwaved. And this is not a microwave type thing. This is like a slow cooker. This is like smoking meat where when you put it in there and you let it simmer and you let it bring in the moisture. The the longer it takes, the better it's going to taste. But we don't like to take that time. And honestly, if we we live in a world today where that becomes a little bit more difficult, we live in such a transient society and transient world that to think that we're going to be with someone for more than three years seems like a long time. But when we're intentional and with the beauty of technology that we've seen, there's still an availability for us to pour in, to walk alongside, and see the slow work of the kingdom when we invest in others. So who are those people in your life? It's caused me to think, who are those people 
in my life. Let's get back to the passage. Verse 25, But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because he heard that, you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him but me, so I would not have to have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So here we have a chance to look at Epaphroditus. And he's a little bit different than Timothy. First of all, we see he's a willing servant. Willing to go, willing to do whatever needed to be done. What we get from this passage here is that the Philippian church, the way that Paul was kind of supported is that different churches that he planted would send him money to help support him. Well, it kind of appears here that the church in Philippi didn't have those resources. So instead of sending money, they sent Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus, his job was to go in and to help in whatever needed to be done. He was going to go in and he was going to do that. So that Paul's mission and ministry could continue. We see also see Paul describe him as a brother, a co-worker, a soldier, a messenger, and minister. All descriptions that I would love for people who know me to use those words to describe me. It shows that there was unity, commitment, partnership, and a deep bond between these two men. And if you're a follower of Jesus, these should be words and descriptions that you and I strive for as well. One thing we don't read much about here with Epaphroditus is what his gifts were. But we do see his work ethic. Paul tells us that he got sick, really sick, and almost died for the work of Christ because he wouldn't quit. He was filling a need or a hole that Paul had on his team. And that's important for us to pay attention to. I also think it's kind of funny here, I just want to point it out, that Paul's kind of anxious to send him back too because he's been worried about his health. Paul really does care for him. And by sending him back, not only is it going to be an encouragement to the church, but also it's going to be a relief for Paul to realize, okay, I don't have to worry about his health because he's been so sick. But he's done so for the cause of Christ. When I was reading this and preparing, I was thinking back to a time when I was in college. And the ministry that I was a part of, the first time I got involved there, there was a guy named Michael. And, we'll, and Michael uh, was a great servant. And um, I was able to serve with him and, and, and do ministry alongside with him for the four years I was in college. But the first time I met Michael, um, I was a freshman in college, and I had went to our college um, worship service or gathering um, early with my RA because he was on their leadership team. I didn't have a car. And so he said, hey, you can just come with me, but I got to leave a little bit early. That's fine. So I get to the church there a little bit early um, and the leadership is going to go have a prayer meeting. And he was like, hey, Drew, do you want to come? And I didn't quite feel comfortable to do that. I said, no, I'll just hang out here. No big deal. So they go off into their prayer meeting and I go into the area where we're going to be having our, our time of worship. And at that point, it was kind of like the, what we have in the side auditorium at Calvary. And there's this guy who's unloading chairs off this rolling cart and is setting them all up. As I walk in, he comes up and he introduces himself. says, hi, my name's, my name's Michael. Hi, I'm Drew. He goes, so you want to help? 
Well, sure. <laughs> I feel a lot more comfortable, you know, with chairs than I do um, with a prayer meeting. And so um, I start helping him and I get to get talking with him and I get to, to know his story and what he's studying and how long he's been doing this. And he did it with such joy. And you could tell he had done it for a while. He had a system. He knew how that room was supposed to be set up, the way it was supposed to be, how the quickest, most efficient way to do it was. And so he was, he was teaching me all of these things as we were setting up this room. And what I came to learn about Michael that day and for the next four years is that Michael was a willing servant. He was willing to fill in when anything needed done. There was nothing that was below him. He would do whatever needed to be done. And he was there every week, setting up, tearing down. If we ever did service projects, Michael was one of the first ones to always show up and to help and did so with a happy, rarely did he ever grumble, get mad or complain. He was always willing to help and to serve. And so when I, as I read through Epaphroditus and read about his characteristics, Michael was someone who came to my mind. Because the other thing about Michael is that he never served in a leadership role that was on stage. He never served as a small group leader. He wasn't a charismatic personality that, got, that garnered a whole lot of people to follow him because of his gifts and talents that he had. But people respected him and they loved him because of his heart and his willingness to serve. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to be willing to serve no matter what the costs. And we see Paul here talking to the church, telling them to bring him back and honor him, bring him back with joy, honor the work that he's done and his commitment to Paul and to the ministry of Jesus. For us today, another couple questions. Where is God wanting to use you? What might that cost you? Epaphroditus was willing to go wherever Paul was going, willing to serve his church by filling in for this ministry. We don't know what his home life was like, but he left something in order to do what God was calling him to do. Another question, are we willing to do it even if we may not be gifted in that area, but we're willing to do it and work our hardest for the cause of Christ? Again, we live in a time where we want to do everything that our gifts, talents, and abilities are best used and served. And we know what those are. We can take tests to help those identify those, and we want to serve in that capacity, in those areas that we will be really strong in, that God can really use us because He's gifted us in this area. And there are times and spaces to be able to do that. But sometimes we just need to do the work, even if it may not be what we're most gifted in. So what are those areas for you? What are the areas, whether it's at church, in your community, at your school, at your place of employment? How can we begin to do the work that God needs us to do, even if we may not be gifted at it? But it's what God is calling us to and how He wants to use us now. And it will probably be uncomfortable. Again, it's easy for us to serve in the areas where we're gifted. When we have to do something that's not comfortable for us, we start to, there's a little bit of a rub that happens there. But one thing is, we know is true, is that when we do things that are outside of our comfort zone, when we do things that are uncomfortable for us, 
that's where we tend to grow the most. When we sit in areas and when we do things that are just easy, that come naturally, we can become lazy. But when we're stretched, when we have to depend on someone else, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to come in and step in because left up to our own abilities, we are not going to be able to do it our own. When we're truly able to do that, then that's when we start to grow. And I wonder how Epaphroditus grew. As he enters back into Philippi, again, sometimes when we read these Bible stories, we start to think about the, the, the characters and the people become very static, right? We're used to seeing them or reading about them in these certain ways. I like to, at times, to start to imagine a little bit of what was, what was life like afterwards, stuff that we don't have history on. And so for Epaphroditus, I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder what, when he came back to the church in Philippi, what, what was different about him? What were the people like, man... We sent Epaphroditus to do this, and he's come back, and he is a completely different and changed man because of his time spent with Paul. And how was he able to serve his home church better because of the experience that he had serving alongside Paul in his ministry? You know, this is some of the reasons that we do missions trips, and we start doing spiritual formation retreats, and we have youth groups where they go out, we go to CIY, we, we do experiences where we, get them, where we get people out of their comfort zone, get, out, get them out of their reality a little bit so that God can grow them. You talk to anyone that's been on a mission trip, and there's a difference between when they left and how they've come back, and what God has wanted, what God has done in their life through them disconnecting from what's normal and experiencing something entirely new. We just had a spiritual formation retreat that we did on silence and solitude right before this pandemic hit. And it's been neat to hear how God was already starting to prepare people's hearts to sit um, alone, be alone with him, to be in a little bit more isolation. And that time, as we were about ready to enter a time where for some of us, it has been a little bit more lonely. We've had to depend on that relationship with God more than the relationship that we have with others because we just can't be around each other like we were before. We want to get people out of their environments so that they can grow, so that they can change. And that's where we sit today. We sit today in a time where for most of us, we've never walked through a season like this. Our normal has been flipped upside down. And so how are we going to take this opportunity to grow and to change so that when we come back to whatever normal looks like, we are able to come back stronger? The final thing I want to point out here, shine a spotlight on once again, that both of these examples is we see life-on-life life discipleship. We see Paul walking with and training up the next generation of leaders and missionaries and pastors. And some of the characteristics that we see in Paul, that we see in Timothy, and that we see in Epaphroditus is this. First of all, we see a submission to God. First and foremost, a submission to God. Then a willingness to go wherever He calls. Each one of these serving others over Himself. And finally, probably most importantly, they're servants of God. They're willing to serve, to do whatever is necessary. Timothy's willing to leave his father in the faith to go serve this church because he knows that's what's needed and what needs to be done. So they're servants of God. A submission to God, a willingness to serve God wherever he calls, thinking of others over ourselves, a humble posture, 
and servants of God, which leads us to our daily training. Daily training is this. My encouragement to all of us this week is to make a list of people who have invested in you over the years and send them a letter, an email, a text, maybe even pick up the phone and call them. But I would encourage something that's in writing that they can save and thank them for the impact they've made on your life. And this is why. First of all, it's a blessing to that person. Imagine getting a letter from someone that you've invested time, energy into and getting a letter back or, or an email letting them know the impact that your life has had on them. It's a blessing to get that. So this is a way of you blessing someone else, thinking of someone else's needs over your own by blessing them. But also as you start to do that, as you write those letters, let, letter or letters, it also helps us to have eyes to see and ears to hear who does God have for us now? Who has been a blessing to me that now I can start to have a blessing and be a blessing to somebody else? Because again, eventually this pandemic is going to end. And for us to come back stronger, more prepared for, to make a kingdom impact is if we are training up people to do that. If we are taking advantage of this time, preparing ourselves, training others so that when we're able to re-engage with our community, we're able to do so with a different mindset, with a different posture, with a different view of what living in this world looks like. It's not about us, but it starts with a submission to God, a willingness to go wherever He has called us to go, to think about others above ourselves and to serve God wherever He has us, whether it's using our gifts or not, and helping other people do the same then for us to have a kingdom impact on our world will be so much greater. And when we look back on this time, it won't be a time of regression for the church, but it was a time of stepping back so that we could move forward and that the enemy won't be able to use this against us. But we'll come back stronger because of our time that we've had to grow, to change, and to be invested in and to invest in the lives of others. We see examples here of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Two different paths, two different people. One became a leader and a pastor of a church. Another one was just a servant who was fulfilling a need. But God used the characteristics and their gifts, their talents, and their willingness to serve then and has been using it for generations after that. And I pray that we can have a similar impact as well. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. And Father, I pray as we leave this space that we would take time to, to write down in our journal, whether it's early in the morning or late at night, that we would find time to think about those who have impacted our lives the most, that we would take the time to, to honor them and to bless them by letting them know the impact and thanking them for that, Lord. But not only that, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear who we are crossing paths with now that we can invest in, that we can do life with so that we can begin to train up and develop leaders and missionaries and servants so that we can have a kingdom impact. So that this time that we spend during these days were not days that were wasted because our lives were different, but this was a time for us to go grow closer to you, grow stronger in our faith, and be able to see people with the eyes that you see them with. We love you. It's in your name we pray. 
Amen.